Well, that means I usually preach, but I might just have to preach, preach. If, if I got that kind of energy going around on the inside of me. Hey, so if you got your Bibles with you, uh, we're going to turn to our kind of theme verse for this series. It's Matthew 6 and verse 33. We're continuing this series about first things first. Everybody say first things first. All right, I know you turned in your Bible, so about half of you said that. Let me try this one more time. Everybody say first things first. There we go. So our theme verse is Matthew 6, 33. It says, seek the kingdom of God above all else, or first, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. That's a, that's a promise from God. He's not just saying it to talk. That's a promise from God's word. He says, if you seek the kingdom of God, you seek me first above all else, and live righteously He will give you everything you need. Can I get amen today? He will give you everything you need. So we're going to talk today about part two of this series, First Things First, and I'm excited to do it. And uh, I just want to give you a little introduction, foundation of where we're going to go today. So I want to talk about a few things we talked about last week, and then we're going to take the next step further. So uh, talking about this, we decided at the beginning of the year, it would be a good time to rearrange our priorities before we start setting goals and resolutions. Because we have to get first things first. Before you start trying to change and set some goals and make resolutions, you've got to get your priorities straight. Look at your neighbor and say, get your priorities straight. Yeah, I know you've been wanting to say that to some of your neighbors for a while. Get your priorities straight, which is me. You're trying to say that to the other person. It's me. Get your priorities straight. No, it's God first. Then other people come after that. But we need to get our priorities straight. And the way that God has told us to get our priorities straight is this. He says to seek him first, and all of these things shall be added unto us. All these things will get into divine order. Last week I mentioned this, and we need to think about this. If God is first in your life, everybody say first. If God is first in your life, everything else in your life will get in divine order. Now, I'm not saying immediately. It could happen immediately, but it will eventually get in divine order because God is first. But if he is not first in your life, everything will continue to be out of order. We got to understand, we don't have money issues. We have God first issues. You don't have marriage issues. You have God first issues. You don't have health issues. You have God first issues. You don't have depression issues. You have God first issues. It's all about priorities. It's all about putting first things first because God said in his word, if you put me first, all of these things, or the New Living said everything you need, will get in divine order, will happen, will come to you. God will do that, but he has to be first. Now, a lot of times we hear stuff like this on church and you're like, But that kind of sounds a little selfish and insecure of God to say that. What's actually the complete opposite? Because God is the creator of all things. He knows what's best for you and I. And we have to be honest enough to tell ourselves that we are not a God. We are sons and daughters of God, but we're not God. And we don't know everything about everything, but God does. And if God says something is best for you, it's best for you. And if God tells you to do something, it's best for you. And you don't know better, and you are not smarter. Even if your feelings and emotions disagree with that statement, you still don't know as good as God knows. So God tells you to do things in his Bible, in his word, not because he's just trying to control you or change you or manipulate you or he's insecure and you need to put me first. No, it's because God knows what's best for you and what's best for you is putting him first. 
Why? Because in him is everything you need. That's why he says put me first because he knows if you go to something else looking for everything you need, you're going to be empty, aren't you? You're going to be disappointed. So let's just skip the disappointment and obey God. So he says put me first because it's what's best for you. Because in him is everything we need. And when we put him first, everything in our life gets in divine order. We get everything we need in this life. Because he's the only one who can supply that. And we become the person that we were always created to be. And you can't become that or get that without God. Why are most people frustrated in life? Because they're trying to get everything I just said without God. (laughs) They're trying to become the person they're supposed to be without God. You'll never make it. You're not going to get better. You're going to get worse because you're trying to do it by yourself. You're looking for everything you need in a person. You'll be disappointed. Because in God is everything you need in your career. You'll be disappointed in your looks. You'll be disappointed in your social media followers. You'll be disappointed in your money. You'll be disappointed in your car. You'll be disappointed in your education. You'll be disappointed. Even in your church and your pastor, you'll be disappointed. Because only God can satisfy and fulfill and turn you into the person you were always created to be. And in God alone is everything you need. That's why he says, seek me first. Because in me, all of these things shall be added unto you. Everything you need, everything you've been missing is in me. Well, I said something already, haven't I, this morning? So God says, seek me first. Let me give you a definition real quick of first things first. This is actually from uh, Stephen Covey, who is a business leadership guy. And he wrote a book actually called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. But the third habit is actually first things first. He, He wrote this, first things first means doing the most important things in life. It means being clear, underline that a few times, about your priorities, and acting upon them. First things first means doing the most important things in life. It means being clear about your priorities and acting upon them. That's what first things first means. So we have to get clear about what's important in our life. As people today, I can't make that decision for you. Your family can't make that decision for you. Your uh, spouse can't make that decision for you. You have to make that decision. You have to get clear about what's important in life and what's going to be your priority. And then you got to act upon it. And my challenge for you this beginning of the year is that you would put God in its rightful place. Put God at the center of your life in the first place. And get really clear about it and make it your priority and your aim and your focus that God is the most important thing in my life and everything else comes second. I promise you, watch your life change, watch your family change, watch your finances change, watch your mental health change, watch your physical health change, watch everything in your life start changing when you get priorities right and you put first things first. What's important in life? There's a lot of important things, but God is the most important thing. So we're going to dive a little bit deeper into this today. And last week we started talking about first things first, but we specifically talked about putting God first in our time. God's gift to us as human beings on this planet, he gives us three things, our time, our talent, and our treasure. But our gift back to God 
is how we use our time, our talent, and our treasure. So this morning, I want to talk about your treasure. And a holy hush came across the congregation. So last week, we talked about time, putting God first in your time. I said, we need to put God first in our year, which we're doing that right now. Put God first in your month. Put God first in your week. Hey, you guys, listen, you're back. This is the first of the week. Put God first in your week and put God first in your day, which we gave you a real practical way to do that with the first 15 challenge. So today we're going to talk about putting God first in our treasure. Now, if you want to see what you love and what you put first, look at two things. Your calendar, which we talked about last week, and the other one is your bank account. If we want to get down to the nitty-gritty and talk some real talk on a Sunday morning, if you want to know, just ask yourself what you love and what you put first in your life. Look at your calendar, if you have one, and look at your bank account. It will tell you everything you need to know. Because Jesus in his word said, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. That's what you love. That's what you put first. So last week we dealt with the calendar. This week we're going to talk about your bank account. Now, there's something that happens. There's a holy hush that happens when you talk about people being overweight. Talk about the kids. Talk about money. Now, why do we get uncomfortable? Because we're all convicted in that area. It's not because we're right. Can I get an amen on that? It's not because we're right and the preacher's wrong. It's because the Holy Spirit's convicting us and it makes us uncomfortable because they tell you how to raise your kids godly and you're not doing that and you're like, I don't like the pastor anymore. No, the Holy Spirit's trying to convict you because he's trying to change something in your life. Or the pastor talks about being overweight, which I'm trying to lose weight myself right now. I'm not talking about this morning. Everybody just chill out. It's Sunday. You got a free day. Let's eat some fried chicken afterwards. Okay. We'll get back on our diet Monday. That's what we all say. Back to the spinach and greens Monday. But fried chicken for Sunday. Because if you preach really good, you get rewarded with fried chicken. That's how preachers get fat. It's true. (laughs) I'm not joking. That's what they did back in the day. They invited the preacher over for a fried chicken dinner, and that's how the preachers got fat. All right, I'm sharing a little bit too much personal information about myself this morning. They get quiet also when we talk about money, your bank account. I'm not uncomfortable, but I'm not uncomfortable about it. I'm not. Because I've grown up in this. I've heard this. I live this. Um, it's my life. But sometimes people get uncomfortable. But why? Just ask yourself. You don't have to answer out loud. Why do you get uncomfortable when t- people talk about money in church? You don't care if your banker talks about it. You don't care if Walmart talks about it. You don't care if Kohl's talks about it. You don't care if Cabela's talks about it. You don't care if your hairdresser talks about it. You don't care if Target talks about it. You don't care if Coffee Crossing talks about it. You don't care if Outback talks about it. You don't care if anybody else in the entire planet talks about money But people get uncomfortable when churches and preachers talk about money. I wonder why. Because the enemy wants us to keep our mouth shut about something that's important. Because if anybody has the right to talk about your money, should be God once again because he knows better than you do and he knows better than your banker and he knows better than your retirement planner and he knows better than your stockbroker and he knows better than Target and Walgreens and Coffee Crossing. He knows better than all those places put together. So we should be smart enough to understand that we should listen to what our creator has to say about money. Since he knows best. He does. So today I'm not going to try to give you my opinion. I'm going to try to give you what God says. Because that's the word of God. So we're going to talk about your money today. It's funny, uh, I've read this before. uh, Pastor Tim Keller, who wrote a book called um, Counterfeit Gods. 
He says, people always get defensive when you start talking about their idols. I think we could all say an amen and an oh me on that one. Isn't it true? The services you get real defensive about. It's because there's something in the first place of your heart that shouldn't be there. And you don't want the past. No, don't talk about that. Don't bring that up in church. Talk about something else. Why do we get defensive? Because we get defensive because they're talking about our idols. Something other than God that has our heart that we put in first place. So last week we talked about your time. This week we're talking about your treasure. Putting God first in our treasure. So let's turn over to Matthew 6 again, but let's start in verse 24. Matthew 6 and verse 24. I believe you're going to get some help today from God's word. Matthew 6, 24. So you know how we just read this theme verse that was um, Matthew 6, 33 about seeking God, putting him first? The context of that verse comes from what we're about to read. You ready for this? Notice what it says. No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other, and you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Uh Oh, now. Now, this is the context of Matthew 6.33. Let's keep going. Notice what Jesus said. This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food? Uh Yes, yes, it, yes, it's true. <laughs> that depends on the food. It's really good. And drink or enough clothes. Isn't life more than food in your body more than clothing? Yes. Verse 26, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valued to him than they are? Yes, you are. 27, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Nope. It'll probably take some time off your life. And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon, now he was the richest man who ever lived, in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. Come on, are you hearing these verses? And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow. He will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Verse 31, so don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Come on, these verses are too good. That shouldn't be us. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. And then here's our verse. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Now, isn't that amazing? Because I realize this verse can be applied to all these different things in your life. Time, talent, and treasure. But specifically in the context of this, it's talking about your treasure. It's talking about your daily needs, your eating, your drinking, what you wear. It's talking about how the unbelievers, that's all they think about. That's all they worry about is getting ahead in life and their, their money, their finances, their resources, their retirements. They think about when am I going to have the next meal or the next drink or what am I going to wear? And God says in his word, don't worry about all those things. Because I feed all the animals on the planet, and they don't do anything to deserve it. And I clothe the trees and the flowers, and they don't do anything to deserve it. And you are much more valuable than they are, because you're actually children of the Most High God. You're sons and daughters. And he says, if I take care of them, how much more will I take care of you? And he says, you of little faith, if you cannot go outside and see the birds and see all of creation and see how beautiful it is, and God says, I did this, and they didn't even do anything to earn it. 
but you're the prize and crown of my creation, my sons and daughters. Don't you think I can take care of you guys too? But then he says, but seek me first. Put me first above everything else. And all these things you need shall be added unto you. Everything you need is in him. But notice the context of putting him first is putting him first in your material possessions. Your needs, your wants, your desires, your finances. Seek him first in those areas and all these things will be added unto you. There's a principle in God's word. When we give God the first, he blesses the rest. That's why we talked about first in your week. You're putting God first today. And you know what he does? When you put him first, it's a principle in God's word. When you put him first, he blesses the rest. So your week is going to go different this week because you were in the house of God. I believe that. That's not just preacher talk. I believe that because we gave him the first and he blesses the rest. Watch your day go different when you do the first 15 challenge and you seek God first in the morning and you give God the first of your day. Your day will go different. Why? Because when you put him first, he blesses the rest. That applies with your time, but it also applies with your treasure. When we give God the first, God blesses the rest. Now the Bible calls the first pertaining to your money, the tithe. Everybody say the tithe. Now let me give you a quick definition of what the tithe is. The tithe is the first and the tithe is the best. It's the first of what you get and it's the best of what you get. That's the tithe. And the tithe is actually the first 10%. That's what God says in his word. The tithe is the tenth. But it's the first ten. So pertaining to our treasure and our money, the tithe is the first and it's the best. We don't give God our leftovers. We give God our best because he deserves it. We don't give God last place in our life and if we get around to it, we give God the first. So the tithe in your treasure is the first and the best of your life. The tithe is all through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. We see in Genesis in the Garden of Eden, there was millions of trees. God said, don't touch this tree. Just one tree. Aren't humans so weird like that? You have millions of trees. Pick any one you want. And God says, just don't touch this one. And they go, okay. Kind of like kids. Isn't that what your kids do? You can touch anything else in the house. Don't touch the stove. Ah! You can touch anything else you want. Don't touch your brother or sister. (laughs) They know. They're sinful human beings. You know that. What do they do? They go to the thing you told them not to do. So the tithe is the first and the best. So in the Garden of Eden, it was paradise. It was perfection. They had everything they ever wanted to have. And God said, there's millions of trees, but don't touch this one because it's mine. It's first. This is the first and this is the best. What did Adam and Eve go do? They touched the tree. They took the tithe. What was first, what was best, and they sinned. They took the first from God. In Genesis 4, and we're going to actually turn there, this is the son, actually the two sons of Adam and Eve, So we know that Adam and Eve had to teach their sons to tithe because why would they tithe? 
So we see here in Genesis 4, verse 1, in the very beginning, it says, Now Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. And when she gave birth to Cain, she said, With the Lord's help, I produced a man. That's what my mom said when I was born, too. Oh, this ain't a baby. This is a grown man right here. I'm joking. I'm joking. Um. <laughs> okay, I think I'm funny, even if you don't. <laughs> Later, she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. Man, what a bummer for him. He didn't get a cool name like that. And when they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. Verse 3. And when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some, listen to that, because Adam and Eve told their kids to tithe because they blew it in the garden. They didn't give God the first and the best, so they taught their kids to do this. So notice what Cain did. He gave God some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. But Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn. Lambs from his flock. And the Lord accepted Abel in his gift. But he did not accept Cain in his gift. This made Cain very angry. And he looked dejected. And from this offering, he killed his brother because he was so upset about it. It wasn't his brother's fault though. Cain gave God the leftovers. The scraps. And God said, I don't accept that because I'm first. But Abel gave God the best and the first, which is the tithe. And God said, I accept that. But Cain was so jealous of Abel, he ended up killing him. But it was over the tithe. So we see even in the beginning of the Bible, this principle of being first in your treasure, in your resources, in what you have, is from Genesis to Revelation. Giving God the first and giving God the best. I just want to deal with something real quick before we go any further, and this is not in my notes. Sometimes church people get jealous of other church people financially, but what are you doing in your life with your finances? Because that's no different from what we just read. You're getting jealous over somebody else in church getting blessed. Maybe they're giving God their first and their best, and you're giving God your leftovers. And you're saying, why am I not being blessed? Why am I not prospering? Because you don't show God any honor in your money. So don't get mad at somebody else because they're doing what God said, which is giving God the first and the best. And when God accepts it and blesses it, don't be jealous of other people. Because if you gave God the first and the best, he would do the same for you. So we see it all throughout the Bible. We see that Abraham, which was the father of our faith, he was a tither, an offering giver. He gave God the first and the best. And God blessed him, and he was a blessing. Isaac was a tither, gave God the first. Jacob was a tither, gave God the first and the best. Moses and Joshua were tithers. And all of God's children were taught this to give God the first and the best. Now let's look at a verse real quick, Leviticus 27 and verse 30. And it says, in all the tithe of the land... Now, the tithe is the first and the best. Whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree is the Lord's, and it is holy to the Lord. So we see that even Moses and Joshua, all these heroes of the faith, tithed and gave God their best, their first. All throughout the Bible. This is not just something that they did because they had to do it. They did it because they wanted to do it. Tithing and giving God the first and the best was even before the law came to be in the Old Testament. But because it's a principle of showing God honor, they put it into the law to say the tithe should be first. 
should be best because we honor God with everything he's given us. Of course, back then they didn't have credit cards and checks and cash, but they honored God with what they had, so they gave him the first of their herd and the first of their born. They gave him the first of their crops, and they gave him the first of all the resources they had to show God they honored him. Putting first things first. So we see that Moses and Joshua tithe. We see that um, all these prophets in the Old Testament were givers and tithers. They gave God the best and the first. Jesus was a tither. He gave God the first and the best. So we see that all throughout the Bible from the beginning to the end, the principle of putting God first and best in our treasure or our money is not something that we can debate. It's not something that we can ignore because where our treasure is, our heart will be also. And we can't say we love God, we're for God, we're for the church, we're for the kingdom of God, and we don't give anything. You're a liar. You are. It's the same way if you said, I love my family. I love my wife. I love my kids. But you don't pay no bills? Come on now, somebody. What are you? You're a liar. Because if you love somebody, you're going to do something. If you love somebody, you're going to give. Because where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So we put God first in our treasure. Once again, what's the first? The first is the tithe, which is the first and is the best of our resources, our finances. Any kind of increase we get to our life, that's the first in our treasure. Let's look at Proverbs 3 and verse 9 and 10. Proverbs 3 and verse 9, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. I love this in the message translation. Let's read this. It says, honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best. Come on, isn't that what we just talked about, the tithe? He says, your barns will burst and your wine vats will brim over. Notice, but when we honor God and give him the first and the best. So the first thing I want to mention is this. When we give God our first and our best, we honor God. When you give God your first of your income, of your resources, of anything you get, it shows that you honor God. That's what this verse just said in Proverbs. We honor God. So when you give God the first of your treasure, it shows your honor. It shows that you honor that you're not God. It shows that you honor that there is a higher power, higher provider, higher provision. There is a being that created me, that knows me, that can take care of me when I can't take care of myself. And I show him honor because everything I have is him, his to begin with. The ability to go to work, the ability to function, for my mind to function, for my hands to function, for my feet to function, for me to have a job and keep a job and make money is not me. There is a God that's sustaining me that I can even make any money so that money is not mine to begin with. But God is so gracious, he allows you to have provision, to have resources, to have finances. I'm not saying you didn't work for it, but you couldn't do anything without him. (laughs) So when we give, we get realigned with honor. No, God, I honor you. It's not just because I'm all that in a bag of chips. No, it's because you are good and that you gave me this job and I give it back to you because I honor you. That's what giving is. It's an honor issue. 
not just a money issue, it's an honor issue. And when we don't honor God with our money, we are saying that we are God. Come on now, don't, don't get quiet on me in this Methodist church. It shows that we really think we got it all together. No, you don't. We honor God because he gave us everything in the first place. Everything good in your life is from God. Every provision you enjoy is from God. And when we give our first and our best to God out of our treasure, because we're putting first things first, it shows we honor God. You want to know the truth? And nobody wants to know. You want to know the truth? Okay. We're like, no, not at this rate. I do not want to know the truth. Pastor, you've said enough today. I'm just getting warmed up. The truth is, 10% is not the only thing that belongs to God. 100% of your money, of your body, of your time, of everything you have belongs to God. The Bible says you were bought with a price. And God has complete ownership over you. All you have is stewardship. Because you're not the owner of yourself or anything else in your life. God is. And he has allowed you to steward your body, your time. I'm preaching better than you're responding. Your finances. He's allowed you to do everything you're called to do. And he's given you stewardship over it. So the least you can do is say, God, I honor you. And I give back to you. Because it all comes from you in the first place. Come on now. That's true. We got to give God our first and our best, and it's an honor issue. It's an honor issue because it all belongs to him. He's just allowed us to have stewardship over it for a season. And you know what? When you leave the planet, someone else will have it. Can't take it with you. You know why? Because you don't own it. You're only a steward over it for a tiny frame of time. All right now. First things first, first in your money. So when we give God the first, our tithe, it's the best, it's the first. It shows God honor. Here's another thing. When we give, it shows our faith. When we give, it shows our faith. So it shows our honor first, but secondly, it shows our faith. Now, once again, the tithe is what? Anybody want to answer? Okay, Anthony kind of answered it. John Daniel kind of answered it. Let's try this again. What did I say? It's two things. It's the? And it's the? Let me try this one more time. You answered right. I just want you to say it louder. The tithe is the? And it's the? Okay. So when we give God our first and our treasure, we give him the tithe, which is the first and the best. It shows our faith. It shows our trust in God that he will provide for us. And he is our resource and he is our supply. That shows our faith. So, Anthony, I need you to come up and stand with me today. Anthony, you're going to be God because you've got a great attitude. So I have $10 here, here and um, $10 and ones. So let's just say this is what I got paid last week, $10 and ones. But the tithe is the first and the best. This is what most people do. House payment, car payment, groceries, School clothes, Hobby Lobby, <laughs> Sephora, Starbucks, Bass Pro, Best Buy, Gods. 
That's not the tithe. That's what most people do. Or most people don't even do that because they don't tithe. They tip God. House payment, car payment, Outback, Qdoba. I'm hungry this week. (laughs) Kohl's. Student loans. Ouch. Too soon for that. (laughs) What else can I think of? Oh, I was about to say Toys R Us, but they're not in business anymore. RIP Toys R Us. Target. Walmart. Netflix. Nailed it. Hulu. This is what most people do. And then they say, God, I don't got any money to tithe. I can't tithe. Has anyone ever heard that? Or maybe you've said it yourself. I can't afford to tithe. Oh, you can't? What about all these? You can't? You can do it when you do it first. Come on, I'm about to run around you, Anthony. You can do it when you do it first. It's called you don't want to do it first. That's why you say you can't afford it, because you don't want to do it because you have no faith. Because it takes faith to tithe. But it doesn't take faith to tithe the last ten. That's not faith. That's leftovers. That's if you get around to it. That's your tip to God. And actually, most people ask you to tip 20%, not 10%. Thank you. And you can't even give God 10, but you're going to give your waitress 25 for one meal? And the God of the universe is sustaining you, and you're arguing about 10? Y'all don't want to mess with me today. It takes no faith to tithe my leftovers to God. It takes no faith to pay all my bills and to buy toys for the kids and to buy my coffee and here's my Netflix money and my Hulu money and my new Apple Watch money and here's my computer money and here's my new clothes money and here's all this. And then I say, well, God, if I get around to it, I'll give you the tithe. Takes no faith. None. And the Bible says... The tithe is the first and the best. So that's not the first and the best. That's the last and the least. That's the scraps. Now, if you're new here today, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to to the rest of the people that have been here. Because you give whatever God has for you, but some of you know better in here. It takes faith to do it first. Not last. If you're doing it last, there's no faith. And that's not the tithe. Because the tithe is the first and the best. The tithe is, God, I honor you with my tithe. There's the house payment. There's the car payment. There's my kids. There's the new clothes. There's all the hobbies I spend money on. There's the coffee. There's my daily routine. There's my gym membership. But the tithe is the first. Are you following me today? Because faith has to be first. When we give God our first and our treasure, it shows our honor, but it also shows our faith. But it's the first ten. The first and the best, that's the tithe. Not leftovers. Are you hearing me? I'm not preaching condemnation to you. I'm just trying to get you to think better and put God in his rightful place. Why do most people wait to the end of their money and then try to give something? Fear. You think you're going to run out. No faith. You think you're going to go broke. You think you're gonna, not going to have enough money for the kids and for groceries and for the house payment and the car payment. Why do you wait to the end of your money and then you say, if we got any left over, let's give it to God. No faith. You're in fear. 
you're worrying, like it said in Matthew 6, you're worrying about what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to drink, what I'm going to wear. God said, don't worry about that. Put me first. So the tithe is the first and the best. Thank you, Anthony. You can sit down. And that first ten that leaves our hand is our faith. It's the first and the best. It's saying, God, I trust you. And if I can't pay for Netflix this month, I don't care. You're still first. And if I can't go use my extra money this week at Target because it's a little tight, it's okay because you're first. Because I put you first in my money. And I have faith. You guys getting something today? So faith is released when we give God our first and our best, not our last, not our leftovers. That's not tithing, guys. Shows no honor and faith towards God. Our faith is when we give God our first. And when we do that, we say, God, I trust you. You're going to provide for me. Instead of the opposite, being in fear and saying, I can't give this because I might not be able to buy my groceries. I might not be able to pay this payment. I might not be able to. That's fear. So we put God first in our treasure, and it shows our faith. Lastly, I want to say before we close, is we give and put God first because it shows our thanksgiving. Shows our thanksgiving. So we put God first in our treasure because it shows honor towards God. Put God first in our treasure because it shows our faith that we believe, God, you're our provider, you're our source, and that we believe if we give you first, we'll have everything we need for everything else in our life. But lastly, it is our thanksgiving to God. Now, something I've been thinking about lately is when it comes to giving, why are so many people so resistant to that message? When it's God's way of doing things. When it's the most life-giving thing you can do. And some of you in here that are givers, which most of you are, you know that. That's the most life-giving thing you can do with your life is to give. Give of your time, give of your talent, give of your treasure, give of yourself. That's the most fulfilling thing to do in life, but so many people fight it. Make excuses, even in church sometime. And we're going to share a verse with you in a second, but I want to talk about thanksgiving to God. We give because we're thankful. Not because I have to, because I want to. Not because a pastor told me to, and if I don't give, I feel condemnation or beat up or like the pastor doesn't like me. I don't know what you give. I don't do the finances around here. We could have 100% tithers, and I don't even know. If you are, good. Faith comes by hearing and hearing. It's helping you. But we got to get over this of doing things for God because we feel like we have to. That's not why God told us to do things in the first place. We do it because we want to do it, because we love God. We love his kingdom, and he's changed our life, and we're just thankful. And that's why we do it. And let's even think bigger than this. You don't give to this church for me. You don't give to church in general just for church. It should be bigger than that. It should be I'm giving to God. Because I honor him, because I put him first, because it's my faith and because it's thanksgiving. Because I see this if, if sometimes we attach it to a church or a pastor or other things or I have to do it, sometimes people will stop giving. Well, I don't like the direction this church is going, so I'm going to stop giving. It has nothing to do with you in this church. It has to do between you and God. 
Or sometimes somebody went to a church and the pastor burned them. Or somebody in the congregation offended them. And they say, I don't give anymore. Why? It shouldn't have been about you and the pastor or you or the other person. It's between you and God. And we got to go back to the main thing and make the main thing the main thing. First things first. And get our heart back. Yeah, the church appreciates it. And I do believe you believe in this church and you give because of that. And you do believe in your pastor and spiritual leaders. But it has to be between you and God more than anybody else. So that means whether people come or go, I'm still giving. Whether it's me or somebody else preaching, I'm still giving. Because it's between me and God. Now we believe God says to bring the tithes to the church, to the storehouse. That's what the Bible says. But it's bigger than that. It's bigger than church. It's bigger than a preacher. It's bigger than a ministry. It's between you and God. And our giving ultimately has to come out of thanksgiving. That's why some people in this church still don't get it. You don't get it because it hasn't ever went to your heart and become a heart issue. And you don't have a revelation of what all God has done for you. Because when you do, your hands will be open, not closed. And you'll say, the least I can do is give of my time, of my treasure, of my talents. Because the reason I'm even breathing oxygen on planet earth is because God has sustained me and he loves me and he's for me. And everything good in my life I've ever experienced is because of him. Has to go back to Thanksgiving. That's why when people argue about giving, you don't get it yet. You don't get it yet. Somehow your relationship with God is not real to you yet. Something in your heart's not right yet. It doesn't have to do with a preacher or a church. It's a heart issue. If you have no relationship with God and you don't realize what he's done for you, you'll have no motivation to give. No matter how many scriptures somebody gives to you. But when you get it, in the words of the bishop, on your insides. When you get it on the inside and in your heart and it's real and you're thankful, no one will ever have to preach another giving message to you again. You will do it. And you won't just tithe. You'll give tithes and offerings and over the above offerings. And you'll give to Michael Jacobs Ministries and Heart for the House and to the youth ministry because we know we need a lot of money in there and to the summer camp account. And you'll be giving to homeless people and you'll be giving to people in Target and you'll be paying for coffee to the person behind you at Coffee Crossing. Why? Because you're just a giver. Come on, are you hearing me this morning? I need to wipe my head like Bishop Jake's. <laughs> but that only happens when it gets in here in your heart in your soul in your mind and you're not doing it because someone told you you had to do it you do it because you want to do it I don't know about you I want to do it no one would ever have to challenge me with another scripture again I want to do it my life should be yours. Are you hearing my heart this morning? I know I'm saying a lot of things today, but it's heartfelt. I'm trying to challenge you today. We put God first because it's Thanksgiving. It shows our thankfulness to God. Not because I have to. Not because I better tithe so I can be in the ministry of helps. No. I get because I want to. And I wish I had more so I could give more. Because <laughs> it's in my heart. You know, God's the ultimate giver. And when he lives on the inside of you, guess what? You're going to want to give. Go be like him. I want to share one last verse with you. 
And hopefully it'll stir you up like it stirred me up. It's in Exodus 13. This is Moses telling God's people after they came out of Egypt about giving God the first and the best. I just think it's powerful because it's talking about being thankful. That's why you give. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, dedicate to me every firstborn among the Israelites, the first offspring to be born of both humans and animals belongs to me. So Moses said to the people, this is the day to remember forever the day you left Egypt, the place of your slavery. Today the Lord has brought you out by the power of his mighty hand. Remember, eat no food containing yeast. On this day, early in spring, in the month, you have been set free. Next verse. You must celebrate this event in this month each year after the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Hivites, Jebusites. What awesome names. He swore to your ancestors that he would give you this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. For seven days, the bread you eat must be made without yeast. Then on the seventh day, celebrate a feast of the Lord. Eat bread without yeast during those seven days. In fact, there must be no yeast bread. Okay, the bread's not the point, guys. Because, amen, we're going to eat some bread with yeast afterwards. Don't follow this part, just the firstborn part. Sorry, I just had to read this. In fact, there must be no yeast bread or any yeast at all found within the borders of your land. God, what a bummer. <laughs> okay, keep going. It's a principle. On the seventh day, you must explain to your children, I am celebrating what the Lord did for me when I left Egypt. This annual festival will be a visible sign to you like a mark branded on your hand or your forehead. Let it remind you. Now, what do he say? He's talking about giving God the first, your firstborn of your animals and your children. Let it remind you always to recite this teaching with a strong hand, the Lord rescued you from Egypt. So observe the decree of this festival at the appointed time each year. This is what you must do when the Lord fulfills the promise he swore to you and to your ancestors when he gives you the land where the Canaanites now live. You must present all the firstborn sons, firstborn male animals to the Lord, for they belong to him. The firstborn donkey, may he be brought back to the Lord and presented a lamb or a young goat in its place. But if you do not buy it back, you must break its neck. Hallelujah. Praise God. The Bible's R-rated if you haven't noticed that before. He's talking about giving a sacrifice. However, you must buy back every firstborn son. Stop. Okay, I know I read you a lot, but we're getting to the main thing here. He's talking about first, giving God your first of your animals, your crops, your children, dedicating them to the Lord because it belongs to him. This is the key verse. And in the future... Your children and your grandchildren will ask you, what does all this mean? Then you will tell them, with the power of his mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, the place of slavery. Leave it here. I'm going to wrap this up because we're running late. The first of your treasure, the tithe, which is the first and the best, is thanksgiving to God. It's honor to God. It's faith to God. It's first, but it's thanksgiving to God. Now, this passage we just read was talking about when God's children came out of Egypt, out of slavery, he told them to continue to do this principle of giving God the first. Give God the first of your children. Dedicate the children to him. Give God the first of your animals and your herds and your crops. And it says, there's going to come a day down the road that you're going to be tithing and giving offerings. And your children 
and your grandchildren are going to ask you, Mommy and Daddy, why do we give? Grandma and Grandpa, why do we give so much to church? Why do we go to church? Why do you serve at church? Why do you care about the things of God? Why do you get into your Bible, Grandpa? Why do you pray, Grandma? Why do you do these things? And he says, when your children and your grandchildren get there, I'm about to preach in this Pentecostal church. When you get there, you got to tell them. Because in context, they weren't there in Egypt. And you got to tell them, mommy and daddy weren't always in the promised land. You don't get it. That's why you don't have a revelation on the inside. You don't get it by revelation. You don't get the Thanksgiving I had because I wasn't always in the promised land. Your mom and dad used to be a slave in Egypt with no food and no money and no hope and no future. But God delivered me. And he didn't just deliver me out of Egypt because your grandchildren and children, they don't get it. They're in the promised land now. Living the good life. And they're blessed now. They don't get it because they were never in Egypt. And he said, this is why we do this. Because we're thankful people to God. And it's the least I can do. I was lost but now I'm found. I was depressed, but now I'm joyful. I was sick, but now I'm healed. I was alone, and now I'm at peace. I was broken, but now I'm whole. And I'm just thankful, so that's why I give. That's why I give. Because I have to, because I want to. They don't get it. Say, Mom and Dad, why? Because I was a slave in Egypt and God rescued me. And He brought me out with the gold and the silver. <laughs> and the Bible says, and there was no feeble one among them. And then we got to the Red Sea and there was no hope again. And God gave me another miracle. He parted the Red Sea, and we walked right through it, and he delivered us. That's why I'm thankful, and that's why I give. And he not only did that, he destroyed my enemies when he delivered me. Come on, I'm feeling this on the inside. And then he didn't stop there. Oh, you thought I was done. I don't care if I'm going long today. you got to hear the end of this story. It's that good. He went and took me into the wilderness, and I stayed there for 40 years. And it wasn't his fault. It was my fault. But even when I was wrong, he fed me every day. He rained down bread from heaven for 40 years, even when I was disobedient. Can the same be said for us? Even when you were wrong, God was still sustaining you and helping you and feeding you. For 40 years, they were blowing it, and God was still sustaining them. And he woke them up every day with bread from heaven. And then they complained about that, and God said, it's not good enough? You want fried chicken too? He flew quail into the wilderness where they don't hang out. And then they started eating quail for 40 years. And then they said, God, we're thirsty. What I got to do around here? He went over to the rock where there was no water coming out because they're in a desert. There's no water. There's no streams. There's no place to drink. He told Moses to speak to the rock. Moses hit the rock and water still came out of it. He was disobedient, and God still provided because he loved his people so much. And they drank from that rock for 40 years. I'm not done yet. And then, after 40 years, he let their children and their grandchildren 
take the promised land. And you know what? When they went to the promised land, there was people there already. Enemies. Giants. In their promise. You know what God did? They had a smaller army. They weren't as well equipped, but they had God. (laughs) And you know what? They went in the promised land and they defeated all of those cities, all of those kings, all of those people. They drove them all out and then they stayed in the blessing, which is the promised land. (laughs) And Moses said, when you get there, your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids are going to say, why? You're going to say, oh, you want to know why? You don't know what God has done for us. 